Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Gregor's Ministries podcast. And today we're really, really excited to have Gabby Brandown joining us from Africa. And Gabby, we got to meet you, Tanner and myself. We met you, I think it was just a little over two years ago in Brazil in Aracaju. And please correct me if I said it wrong, but... Uh, <laughs> Totally fine. <laughs> she, Gabby was awesome when we were there. She helped translate for us several times, but she was helping so much at the church and the ministry. And so we wanted to get her on, um, not only because she's an awesome minister, but she's doing some amazing things in Africa right now. And Gabby, tell us a little bit for people listening, what are you currently doing right now in Africa? Well, thank you so much for this invitation. Um, two years ago, I was able to translate you in a leaders meeting. And I can't remember, I had a terrible experience. I just blame so much myself because the sound system of my church was still being built. So everything was like reverber. How can I say it? A lot of echo. Yes. And I was like, oh, I did terrible <laughs> no and i remember that because it was the building had a lot of echo in it and there was yes. a lot of times you were like what are you exactly. saying and i was like maybe i'm not speaking correctly but it was the sound oh. system <laughs> yes so i'm oh. happy you gave me a new opportunity to, <laughs> to yeah um, to just um have this time with you um so you ask me who i am right yeah, just share a little bit with us about, you know, how, you, you know, I want to get into Africa and that's kind of how I started into it. But I would love for you to share just first of all, how you even got introduced to Jesus. How was your Christian life? Did you grow up in church? What was that like for you? Okay, so in Brazil, um, our main religion is still Catholic. Yeah. So everybody considers themselves Catholic, even if they don't really practice it, because it's like a tradition kind of thing. So I was raised in this tradition, tradition. And when I was 10, my father, who is a yoga teacher, and I know this is pretty weird because we know that yoga has this whole Hindu background and a lot yeah. of mysticism surrounding it. Um, he, a friend of his brought him to Jesus. And then um, we had this whole impact of um, about God in our lives. And nowadays, he was able to separate the spiritual part of yoga from the body part of yoga. But this is another conversation because we have a lot to talk. Um, and then when I was 12, I came to Verbal Church, which is um, the Rama Connection in Brazil. And I was able to be introduced to this amazing word who has spared me, I should say, from many bad decisions in life. So I had this amazing encounter with Jesus and then God revealed my calling and I'm here. So <laughs> That's amazing. And I think when we were in Brazil, we talked to people a lot and we would ask them, you know, are you Christian? And I think the answer was always yes. And it could be yeah. just culturally because you know, people grow up Catholic or they're, they're told they're Christian because of that. But it was a real encounter with Jesus that transformed your life. Yes, it wasn't religion. I and... Yes. I remember when I went to verbal church and I met the teenagers, the youth, and I was like, wow, they have fun. 
without any kind of immorality, without any kind like impurity, you know, and this called so much my attention, the fact that they were able to have fun even being Christians. So I was like, I want that, you know, I want yeah. to get to know that. I want to be like that. And I just feel so privileged because, um, and the re that's the reason why I love so much to work with teenagers. And that's what my yeah. heart is for even today, because many people think that when you, when you get older, you're going to start making decisions, but it's actually when you are in your 12, 13 is the decisions that you make in that time of your life that really drives your life. So yeah. when I was 12 and I was introduced to this kind of message, I made decisions that has brought me to where I am. It's when I was a teenager that I, I decided that I would not um, like have a lot of boyfriends. I would just try to marry my very first boyfriend and that I would um, save myself to marriage or that I would not, um, that I would choose the right friendships. And all of these decisions has, um, has protected me from a lot. Wow. And, and it is so important that at those crucial years as a teenager, that we actually encounter Jesus. We don't just hear about him from the people, the generations before us, but we actually have a real encounter. And I think that's one of the things that you're doing there in Africa is helping bring a real encounter with Jesus to the people. But I, I wanted you just to share a little bit about how God led you to go to Africa and also where you are right now, what country specifically. Okay, so I am currently in South Africa. I am serving a ministry called Reaching a Generation. And um, the, how I got to be here, I could say that it was suddenly, but not yeah. randomly. And I wanted to spend some time talking about that because I, I feel in my heart that many people can relate to the process that I've been through. And um, um, the opportunity for me to come here, it happened all of a sudden. Like in February, I had the opportunity. In March, I was here. So I am here for three months now, almost three months. And, um, you know, when you are, um, when you, when you have the conviction in your heart, when you know your call, and you're passionate about it. You try to make all the decisions in your life based on that um, certainty. And when I was a teenager, God revealed to me about my missionary call. And since then, I tried to base all my decisions on this certainty. But in many moments, it didn't make sense. It did, things seemed to do not match or come together. For example, I am... Um, I am a lawyer or an attorney, as you guys say in, say in the U.S. And I would think, God, what is law? How is law connected to missions? Like when you are, we study law, we study the local legislation. I studied yeah. the Brazilian law. So I would say, how is that even connected to going to missions if I know that you called me to the nations and not only to Brazil? So rationally, we normally try to build our path and to calculate every step we take because we fear God. And differently from my friends in high school who would choose a course 
in university just based on what they feel about it. Yeah. We fear God and we want so much to do everything right. We want so much to, to do not walk away from that, but to like give steps forward in this call. So when I graduated in law, I had this hard time and I was so anguished because I, I tried to understand what should I do? Should I study for, we say contest in Brazil to become a public um, worker, should I do law? And I would try to calculate because if I do that, I'll probably get to do that. And then this will match missions. But if yeah. I do it, so um, in this uncertainty of how things would happen would just make my heart so um, anguished, you know. And um, for a long time, I faced this, this, these questions. And I know that many people who are listening to us, they may face the same things. But God, if you called me to do that, why am I doing that? What, what does that have to do with getting to that call that you called me to, to live? And um, now that I am in South Africa, ah, this is so interesting. I am able to help the ministry with the legal aspects of it. So it, it just makes me feel so emotional because for so long, I didn't see any connection. And... Um, so, for example, I am revising a lot of contracts because when you are in the mission field, you realize that many of the outreaches, many of this depends on office work. So yeah. now I'm here in the office, for example, recording this, this call. And um, missions is not only about going out. We have a lot of... Um, uh, of work to make things right you know the bigger you want to get the more complex and it gets in a good in a good way so for example we just launched last month in Namibia a skill center we taught many women who had no income and who really struggled to raise their family we launched uh we taught them how to be a seamstress and we, instead of buying clothing to give away to the miserable kids in Zambia, we taught them to sew and then we are paying them to sew these clothes and then we are giving away these clothes to Zambia. So we had to create an agreement to protect ourselves and also the women. So who made the agreement? I made it. <laughs> For, uh, uh, for example, we have a project in partnership with the Hand of Hope, which is the missions ministry from Joyce Meyer. And we have um, Imagine Hope Centers where um, the girls, I can explain more about that, but the girls, they come like to a boarding house where they, we keep them studying instead of marrying. And... Um, I was the one who created the agreement for the parents to sign in order to give the permission to the girls to be in our uh, premises. So I am re revising the events contract from the, of the. So so many things that I'm being able to help with my legal knowledge that yeah. that had nothing to do with my calling, you know. 
That's amazing. And I love that, you know, when you said yes to do the law school and to become a lawyer, you had no, you probably had no idea you were going to end up in Africa using those skills. And again, you were even questioning, God, why do you have me doing this? Because it's not your overall call for my life. But you didn't know at the time he was going to use it to help other people. And I would like for you to share a little bit about, you know, with raising a generation, something you said is that you guys weren't just giving the clothing, but you were empowering these women to have, you know, helping them get a new skill so that they could then reach their own people and the different people in Africa. What was the, uh, the heart behind raising a generation? What is your guys' mission there in Africa? Yeah, so the Reaching a Generation Ministry, they see the children as the, how can I say that? They wanted to raise leaders to make a difference, not only spiritually, but also socially. And I think that this is a great combo because Jesus came and he did not only feed the people with the spiritual bread, but also with the natural bread. Yeah. And um, is if we as church, we, we embrace this calling to do the social impact, we can do great things because we have the, the right message. So um, what happened is they realized that um, the voice that we have, in, how can I say that? The kids, they have a lot of voices to influence them. Yeah. The parents are the first voice they have. The school is a big voice they have. And then we have the church. But the church voice is only two hours per week on Sunday on Bible school. So we realized that this is not enough and we needed to be more present in their lives. So we have created a whole system. For example, we, are, we have now the reaching generation, they have now this college, which is uh, uh, accredited so it's a vocational ministry college, and it's the first one in South Africa. Wow. So the youth, the young people, they can study in this college and in order to become, uh, to work in ministries or even in other contexts. And this is something that we can be influencing them in a daily basis, you know? So... Um, and one of the things that I admire so much about them is that they have this sustainability vision. So we have a business called Chiquaro Lodge. So instead of only depending on donations and offerings and typings for us to stand as a ministry, we also have uh, a lodge where it brings an income to the ministry to be sustainable. So it has so many things going on at the same time. We have the lodge, we have the church, we have a center shot, we have the skill center, we have feeding programs, we have water wells. Um, in Zambia, before we started to drilling the wells, we, the, they had around 40 deaths per month because of crocodiles, because they had to go to the river to get the water. And the crocodiles would... Um, eat them in the Zambezi River. So now that we have so many wells being drilled, we were able to decrease this amount of deaths to 15 per year. So um, there is just so much need and their heart is always to reach the children. Why do we do the skill centers to the women? Because they are the one who feeds their kids. 
So um, the, our heart is always towards the kids, always towards the children. That's amazing. And we love hearing about the project that's going on and the different, it sounds to me like there's just a lot of different things that need to be managed, but that just means that there's more people in different situations that are being reached. And I know you've, you said you've been on the field mission field for three months now. Has it been Mm -hmm. three months? Wow. And I don't know if you, did you ever see yourself in Africa or did, you know, you said it was a suddenly thing, but did you ever have that vision or that feeling from God or was it just an opportunity that came where you were like, yes. Okay. So differently from many people, many missionaries, I've never had a specific country in my heart. And um, because people say, oh, I have this flag, I have this. And I was like, Lord, I I don't know. So um I had the interest to come to South Africa some years ago when my parents came here, but for tourism, which is totally different than what I'm doing now. I am in the middle of nowhere (laughs) in a farm. The closest city is a small town, 30 minutes from here. So um, the purpose is totally different, but I am, I cannot express the the happiness and the fulfillment, you know, yeah. to finally be here. And I thank God every day I wake up and I'm like, Jesus, I'm in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been to other countries. God gave me the opportunity to travel to other countries. But now I just feel that I am doing what I was born to do and what I expected to do my whole life. So that's why I say suddenly, but not randomly, because God, when we see in the Bible, all these situations where God suddenly did something, if we look in the background, if we look in the backstage, we can always understand that there was, um, things were being, were being built, you know, for example, um, we have Paul and Silas in the, in the, in the prison and suddenly an earthquake came to open the gates. But look the attitude that they had. They were singing before. They were being thankful to God before. They were rejoicing um, in, a, in a terrible circumstance before. So our attitude defines our, our height, our altitude. Yes. Let's put it this way. So um, when, I, when this opportunity came to me and I was talking to a friend of mine before coming here and I was like, can you believe that? Like my life is doing a U-turn and like, I am going to Africa. This opportunity came up out of nowhere. And then he said, Gabby, I'm not that amazed because I always knew that something would happen to you. And I was like, really? So it's interesting because uh, when we are faithful to what we've done, I've been involved in missions in my church i've been leading the english club i've been translating i've been serving my my church in the evangelism department so when when the opportunity comes it comes but then you look back and then you were like oh it makes sense because you have been faithful to what god has put in your hands all those way of preparation all this time of waiting when things many times it seemed like things were not going anywhere or it feels like you were just stuck 
and nothing is happening, but that's when God is testing you in faithfulness. God is testing you in, in your weight and in your trust for him. So I, I just know in my heart that many people feel in the same situation. You, you, you know your call. You have said yes to your call. You have embraced your call. You were willing to do it, whatever it takes. But you just feel like things don't happen. Things don't change. And I want you to believe in the suddenly of God. And remember that when it comes, you're going to remember what I'm saying. Suddenly, but not randomly. That's amazing. And one thing too is, you know, wherever God has put you right now, it may not be where you want to go for all of your life or where you want to be, but remain faithful where you're at. Because like Gabby was saying, you're being taught some things, you're learning some skills, you're learning some ways that you can reach other people where you are right now that is going to help you in the next thing. And a lot of times, um, you know, God, I, I believe he's waiting for us to get to a place of, in our heart where we're prepared and we're ready. And there's some things that we want and we desire that mm-hmm. it's the mercy of God that he did not allow us to go there whenever we were not ready. And so and, go ahead. Yeah, because, you know, our generation, we struggle with that because we are the Z generation or the Zoomers, as they say. And we don't like waiting. Like, look at what our what we eat. We it's all about fast food. We don't cook things on the oven. We want go for the microwave. So we don't. Um, we use remote controls because we want things to be quick. We want things to be comfortable. And for us, it's even harder to understand the power and the purpose of waiting, you know, and and being tested in this time of wait. Um, But I think that the best food, and this is even scientifically tested, like the microwave food is not as healthy as the the food that is slowly, slowly but surely cooked in those clay pans in the fire. So the flavor is different. The nutrients are there. So um, this is a challenge for our generation even more, I believe. Yeah. So don't get discouraged wherever God has you right now. Be thankful that you're there and allow him to prepare a heart in you for the next step. And even if you don't know what the next step is, remain faithful. I remember... uh, God, I I felt in my heart I was going to be a missionary. I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it, just to be honest. And I remember uh, God placed it on my heart to start giving towards different missions in Africa. And as I was doing that, the next thing he told me, he said, I want you to go to Ramah. And I fought with that because I knew because he had put it in my heart to start giving towards Africa that if I went to Rama, he was going to send me to Africa and I didn't want to <laughs> go. And so I remember telling my parents, I said, yeah, I don't want to go to Rama because if I go, I know I'm going to end up in Africa. And, and you, you did. Know, you went to yeah. Zambia. You went to Zambia, been to Kenya a few times. And mm. but the thing is, is that you know, he didn't just force me to go to Africa right off the bat. He prepared my heart along the way. And he gives us the desires of our heart, but he also changes the desires of our heart 
as we spend time with him. And so, you know, before I was really going in depth with my relationship, I didn't want to go to Africa as I spent my two years or three years at Rama and allowed him to prepare my heart. I realized I actually have a desire to go to these places that I thought beforehand, I didn't have a desire. He revealed to me that it was a desire because he had placed it in my heart before I was even born. And so there's some things that you don't realize that you have a desire in your heart Mm -hmm. that God is going to bring to pass as you remain faithful. And I actually remember in Zambia, we went to uh, Victoria Falls, which is just an amazing waterfall area in uh, I forget. I think it, I don't know where it's at. You know the city, it's but Livingston, I guess. Yeah, live. Yes, exactly. Yes. So when we were there, I remember there was this bridge we had to walk over, and we got to this waterfall, and I was looking at it, and I heard God say to me, "He's," you know, I, I was like crying, like I never saw something like this, and he was, he said, "I have a way to bring dreams you didn't know you had come to pass." Yeah. Yeah, And so I had no idea two years before that, six months, one mm-hmm. month before that I had a desire to see this waterfall. But when mm-hmm. I was standing in front of it, there was like something in my heart. And he was saying, this was a dream I put in your heart that I brought to pass that you didn't even know. And I, so, I just love that. <laughs> I love that how many times we think that it's our desire. And then... um time ahead, we realize that God is the one who has put this desire in our hearts since the very beginning, Yeah, you know, and this for me, for those people who come to me and say, Gabby, I don't know what my call is. I don't know what I have to do. I don't know what God called me to do. And then one of the tips that I give to them is, is, is that I ask, what is your passion? What are you passionate about? What is the thing that makes your eyes glow? Because sometimes in many times, this passion, it, it is a good, how can I say, indication of yeah. what has God for you. I have this example, which is uh, Chad Daniel. He is a big inspiration to my life. He is some of my mentors. He is one of my mentors, I'm sorry. And um, when he was a kid, he was crazy about wild animals, not pets, not only dogs. He was crazy about snakes, iguana, and spiders. He even tried to raise a snake in his backpack hidden from his mother until the snake tried to eat him. <laughs> Mercy. So he had this passion for animals since he was a child. And then when he was a teenager and he came to Jesus, um, He came to the Lord and he said, Lord, I have two passions in my life. I love teenagers and I love animals. So he consecrated these passions to God and he said, you can do whatever you want with that, but this is what I like to do. And nowadays he he was able to travel to more than 100 countries preaching to young people around the globe using wild animals as a visual resource to bring them the message because we know that teenagers they they are visual they when we have something in our hands they can it grabs their attention and it also makes them understand the message much easier so he he, he goes to brazil for more than a decade and he uses pythons he used huge snakes 
And for those who don't really know him, may think that this is only a show or a, an attempt to call like to. But no, this is a great tool that God has given him. And if you could see how the children react, it is super natural. He uses iguanas. I've done um, a teenager's event uh, with, and he used the falcon. And when you listen, when you hear the message, you understand that it's an analogy that he uses the animal for. And it makes total sense to the context. So I just want to challenge you, if you are listening to us and you look to yourself and you see that you have some talents that apparently have nothing to do with God, with church, with missions, with serving Jesus. I just want to challenge you to consecrate these talents to the Lord today. If maybe you are a, a great hairdresser and you feel like, what does it have to do with God? Well, maybe you could um, you could do outreaches and do haircuts and then yeah. bring the message. <clears throat> Or maybe you you are you have talents and you feel like this is not useful to get to what God has for me. Well, I gotta tell you. As a lawyer who thought that I would never leave Brazil because I only knew Brazilian legislation, <laughs> I can tell you that God can surprise you. And I love, I've seen some pictures with, with Chad and you, I think you were translating for him in Brazil with a big python like snake yeah. around your shoulder. And just for people listening, it was not one of those cases where it was like, oh, we can get bit by this snake and it will will survive. No, it was just a visual tool to grab the attention. And I love that, you know, it, it's so awesome. You know, I'd never seen anything like it. I saw like a short clip of you guys ministering together. It was so, so cool. But I wanted to ask you just like a personal question. How was it for you to encounter this snake around your shoulder? I loved it. <laughs> really? Wow. Sometimes wow. he was holding the, the big python in his shoulders and she would start to come up to my shoulders because I was right by his side. And she would try to, because the python kills by squeezing, right? So she would try to squeeze us And, uh, and I loved it because I was never afraid of animals. And he said, um, if you want to translate for me, you cannot be afraid of these animals. <laughs> Otherwise, it won't work. So it's really, That's really awesome. <laughs> and, you know, he's been to over 100 countries. And, you know, for you, besides, I know you're in South Africa. You've been to Zambia. Have you been in to any other places? Or is this kind of I mean, your, your yeah. start? I mean, for missions or For yeah, for missions, because you've probably okay. vacationed and all that. <laughs> yeah, it's different. But um, for missions, I've been in the, in the Amazon in mm -hmm. Brazil, in some cities um, close by, but um, the countries only South Africa, Namibia, and Zambia. Yeah. And your time in Zambia, how long were you actually in Zambia? It was really, really quick because we were actually in... Um, in Namibia, in the Capri district for this the skill center launch. And then um, we went to the Imagine Hope. And I wanted to share a little about that, if sure. possible, because yeah. this was the biggest um, cultural impact that I had in my mission experience, my really short mission experience. And I know that this is usually some questions 
uh, one of the questions. Um, so in, in Zambia, we went to a really poor area called Sioma. It's in the Western Zambia. And um, even though um, children's marriage, it's forbidden according to the law, they have a strong culture in this aspect. So what happens is um, when the girl menstruates, they do a ceremony called Shquen. Let me remember the name of the, the ceremony because I took a note so that I would. Yeah, Shkenga ceremony where they um, teach the girl um, how to be a wife and how to please a man. Hmm. So imagine hmm. girls in their 12 years old, 13 years old. And the, the parents, they put a flag in their houses to indicate to the whole community that she's ready to get married. And then those old um, gentlemen from, um, from, from, from the region, they come to pay for the, for the child. And they saw the situation and what happens is many of the families, they do that first because um, they cannot afford for the education. Second, because um, if they have a boy and a girl, they would rather invest in the boy and not in the girl. Mm-hmm. And then um, what happens is we created these Imagine Hope centers where the girl, she lives in that center as long as the parents allow them to keep studying in high school. So they have a scholarship they live in the center where they are taught. They are taught skills like jewelry or crochet. Uh, and um, they are taught about the Bible as well. They are taught about their value. They are taught about, um, they are encouraged to keep studying, to become a professional and everything. So this was the biggest um, cultural impact that I have to imagine that kids in that age is being sold for um, for old men to please them. And um, it is so, so, so amazing to, to, to know that um, the, the message that we have can, can cause a spiritual impact in their self-value, in their self-image, but also bring a social impact in that culture. So what I've been learning in the mission field is that there ain't no... Um, the only culture that we have, it's the kingdom culture. So this is the culture that we want to implement. Of course, we have social different circumstances and different traditions, but when this, the the local culture um, is not according to the kingdom's culture, we need to implement the kingdom culture. That's so true. And I love what you guys were doing because I think it's just so terrible for these girls to grow up thinking their value is tied up with pleasing this man or how much was even paid for them. And so to give them skills and teach them who they are in Christ and where their true value is, that's just an awesome thing. And we're, we actually um, had Lana Vasquez. She's over Life Impact International. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're in Thailand. They're also doing some things in the Amazon as well. And they're helping to rescue children and girls from sex trafficking. And uh, one of the stories she said that um, 
you know, there was a um, parents that were selling their child, their daughter for 18 us dollars, which is like less than a hundred. Hey, eyes, right. It, it's yeah. like some of we, we don't, um, you know, sometimes we grow up in a bubble where we don't recognize how much is happening in the world around us and how people really truly need help. Not mm-hmm. only um, do they need mm-hmm. spiritual help, but they need to be able to, the, the culture has to be impacted by kingdom culture. And that's what we do as yeah. missionaries. And, and let me tell you something in this context, because Jacques Van Bommel, which is the, the CEO of the whole ministry, the one who raised it and everything, he is graduated in Rema. So wow. somehow I am, I am um, involved in the Rema um, influenced ministry yeah. here. And um, I was able to read his master's thesis for his master's. And one of the things that he said in his master's is that short, um, how do you say, short terms missions um, trips are able to change the whole perspective of the world for those who come from bubbles like we do, like, you know, and I, and I've heard that you were um, engaging on that. You were planning to bring some um, people to Brazil. I don't know if I am correct. You may correct me. And I truly believe that the, the visit may be pretty short, but the impact in their lives, it will totally change. Yeah. And even if you're not a missionary, because we know that not a, not all, not every missionaries are called to other nations, and not every and missions is not only about going, but also about sowing and about praying. So even if you don't have the missionary call to go, I want to encourage you to participate in a missions um, short-term um, trip someday. Yes. Someday you need to do that. It's going to change your life perspective, your world perspective, and it's going to make you a better person. So I agree. And I I thank God for what you're trying to do. Yeah. And one thing I would say, even if you don't feel called to missions, there would be no um, con or anything bad with you going on a short term trip. In fact, it's going to enhance your perspective of what God's heart is for all different people and all different language groups and different cultures. And I like to say it will pop your bubble and, you know, really open your eyes. You know, my first mission trip, I just had no idea what to expect. I went in like excited, but when I came back to my bubble, I was like, what am I doing with myself? You know, <laughs> and and that's uh, in that that some people struggle with that, but it, what it does is it helps you. I think it refocuses you. It gets mm-hmm. you back on. Okay, what's my purpose? What am I really doing? Because it's so easy to get into the routine where I wake yes. up, I eat, I go to work, I eat. I sleep or go to the gym, whatever you do, and you get into this routine and you forget that there's a greater purpose for all of us. But Gabby, we have about three minutes left and I just kind of wanted to open it up for you to kind of just give a final encouragement to anybody um, or whatever you'd like to share just to kind of wrap us up. Yeah, so to everybody that's listened to me, I want to tell you that the God who promised, he's faithful. And even though you may feel in a situation where things are not moving forward, or I just want you to trust God that things are going to match, things are going to come together. 
And when you get there, you're going to look back and see that he was crafting you all the time. You know, um, Moses didn't think he was able. And then God asked him, what do you have in your hands? And he had his staff, which was his work um, tool. And God used what Moses had in his hand, a piece of wood, a staff, to, to do what he was called to do. So God is asking you today, what do you have in your hands? If you don't feel like you have much, if you have the willingness to go and to do, this is a lot. So um, consecrate the Lord today. Everything that, that you have, even if you think it's not a spiritual talent, consecrate the Lord and trust him because he doesn't waste anything. That's what I want you to fix it. God doesn't waste anything you consecrate to him. So enjoy the journey. It's pretty That's fun. So good. And Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we, we let you go, I'd just like for you to share, if you know off the top of your head, where people can go to find out a little bit more of the organization you're working with. Is it best through social media or website? Okay. Um, reachingageneration.org, O-R-G. And you can also find the Chiquaru Lodge if you want to know our business. But everything will be summarized in the Reaching a Generation uh, website. Awesome. I think that's the best option. Yeah. And I actually, as you were talking, just went there and there's links to the Facebook and Instagram. So go to reachingandgeneration.org and we'll put the link in the uh the caption of this video so that you guys can go see more about what she's doing in the amazing organization. But Gabby, again, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you and hopefully we won't wait two more years to have another conversation. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> thank you very much. God bless you, Josh. Hope to see you maybe in Brazil, maybe through yes. the nations, maybe in the airports. Hey, <laughs> that sounds great. Well, have a great rest of your night and we'll talk soon. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.